Well, they're ready to go into the promised land, but two tribes made a decision and they said, we would like to stay here. Moses saw that as rebellion. This is an interesting time. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hember. I'm Jen. And we are tracking through Bible Discovery TV. We're tracking the methodology of how they went into Israel after 40 years and took the land that God had promised Abraham. We'll study that in about five minutes. It's going to be very good. Stay there. Corey is here now. All right. Well, it's part two for me of our look into Balaam. Ryan? Today, I want to go back in the biblical text just a little bit to Numbers 22 to talk about what Corey is talking about, Balaam. And the question I want to try to answer is, why was God angry with Balaam for going to Balak when it was God who gave him permission to go to him in the first place? Yeah, that's a really, this is great. Really good question. They're coming up in 20 minutes. Janice in 25. Janice? Yep. We're going to talk about growing in God. Numbers 32, verses 1 through 8 and 16 through 19. Now the children of Reuben and the children of Gad had a very great multitude of livestock. And when they saw the land of Jazer and the land of Gilead, that indeed the region was a place for livestock, the children of Gad and the children of Reuben came and spoke to Moses, to Eleazar the priest, and to the leaders of the congregation, saying, Ataroth, Dibon, Jazer, Nimrah, Heshbon, Elielah, Shebam, Nebo, and Beon, the country which the Lord defeated before the congregation of Israel, is a land for livestock, and your servants have livestock. Therefore they said, If we have found favor in your sight, let this land be given to your servants as a possession. Do not take us over the Jordan. And Moses said to the children of Gad and to the children of Reuben, Shall your brethren go to war while you sit here? Now, why will you discourage the heart of the children of Israel from going over into the land which the Lord has given them? Thus your fathers did when I sent them away from Kadesh Barnea to see the land. Verse 16. Then they came near to him and said, We will build sheepfolds here for our livestock and cities for our little ones, but we ourselves will be armed, ready to go before the children of Israel until we have brought them to their place, and our little ones will dwell in the fortified cities because of the inhabitants of the land. We will not return to our homes until every one of the children of Israel has received his inheritance. For we will not inherit with them on the other side of the Jordan and beyond, because our inheritance has fallen to us on this eastern side of the Jordan. Numbers chapter 32, verses 1 through 8 and 16 through 19. Numbers chapter 32 and chapter 33. This is fascinating. The move into the land of Canaan from the wilderness was the fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. God knew that Israel needed to live with his authority in their lives for the first 40 years. 
Well, now the nation was getting ready to make a move into the promised land, fulfilling God's plan. But they had also been confronted before they moved into the promised land by the kings of the north and the east. So with the Lord's help, they defeated those kings, and now their property was available. However, the tribes of Reuben and Gad, the half-tribe of Manasseh, saw the opportunity to gain the land east of the Jordan for their livestock, and they asked Moses if they could settle there instead of going into the promised land. Well, initially, Moses took this request as rebellion. But they quickly made it clear that they would fight for their fellow brothers, Israelites, and not return to their own land until they gained victory. I mean, this is absolutely stunning. It's, it's really fascinating as we begin to study this. So take your Bible guide. This is the February Bible guide. And if you are on the mailing list, you would have got it. But if you didn't, you can call us or write to us, or you can go to Bible Discovery TV and click on the Bible guide. It'll take you to the donate page. I just want to say thank you so much for the donations. They're very meaningful and very helpful. And uh, the, the donate page will keep us going day after day, especially in this month and in the months ahead. So keep that in mind. And then it'll take you to a page where you can download it exactly how it's printed. So it's very, very good. Now, today we faithful to fight. That's the title here. We talk about that. Numbers 32, 1 through 8, and then Numbers 32, 16 to 19. Father, help us today. We need to know and we need to learn your scripture. Help us to make sense out of all these places where you are talking to your people and ministering and they're potentially misunderstanding, but at the same time, it's made right. Help us to understand the dynamics of the relationship here. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' wonderful name and apply it to our lives. And we said together, amen. Now, I, I find this fascinating because as we look at the first five verses, this gets really helps us to understand what's going on and really interested. Now, the children of Reuben and the children of Gad had a very great multitude of livestock. They had a lot of livestock, a lot of sheep, they had a lot. And when they saw the land of Jazer and the land of Gilead, that indeed the region was a place for livestock, the children of Gad and the children of Reuben came and spoke to Moses to Eliezer the priest, and to the leaders of the congregation, saying, Astoroth, Dibon, Jazer, Nimrah, Heshbon, Eliah, Shebam, or Shebam, Nebo, and Beon, the country which the Lord defeated before the congregation of Israel is a land for livestock, and your servants have livestock. Therefore, they said, if we have found favor in your sight, let this land be given to your servants as a possession. Do not take us over the Jordan. Now, this is interesting. You see, the two tribes ask Moses if they could settle in the land of the east of the Jordan. God had already conquered it for them. Now, we build our lives on God's direction, not on our desires. And the question is, did this desire come from God? I've heard a lot of people say to me, the Lord gives you the desires of your heart. 
Well, there have been times I've desired a 55-inch television screen, brand new. But is that a desire from God? Is that a desire from the Lord? That's a good question. But they were asking the question, so what does Moses do? Well, here's what happens. This is Numbers 32, 6 and 8. And Moses said to the children of Gad and to the children of Reuben, shall your brethren go to war while you simply sit here? Now, why will you discourage the heart of the children of Israel from going over into the land which the Lord has given them? Thus your fathers did when I sent them away from Kadesh Barna to see the land. See, Moses interpreted their request as rebellion. Moses interpreted their request as rebellion. We should be willing to listen to each other before making up our mind. How many people do you know that they have their mind made up? And even if you challenge something, they're going to strike you down no matter what. They're ready to talk and just cut you off. You see, beloved, we need to hear people because we don't all think the same. And Moses was quick tempered and he was ready to go after them. He was a good man. He was a great man. But listen, this is what they said to him as a result of that. Numbers 32, verse 16. Then they came near to him and said, We will build sheepfolds here for our livestock and cities for our little ones. But we ourselves will be armed. We will be ready to go before the children of Israel until we have brought them to their place. And our little ones will dwell in fortified cities because of the inhabitants of the land. We will not return to our homes until everyone of the children of Israel has received his inheritance. For we will not inherit with them on the other side of the Jordan and beyond. Because our inheritance has fallen to us on this eastern side of the Jordan. Now, this is something else. The two tribes said they would fight for their brothers and not return home until they had conquered the land. You see, God speaks to us about our purpose. He doesn't speak to us about our feelings. I I like it uh, because a lot of people today... They often say, well, I just feel this and I feel that. And they talk about, I feel like, and I feel like, and I feel, everything's I feel, I feel, I feel, I feel, I feel. I feel. Let me tell you something. Feelings change. I can have a pizza the night before and I can feel bad in the morning. Or I can have something right to eat the night before and I feel great in the morning. See, feelings change. But our spirits don't change. God is not like our feelings. So God speaks beyond our feelings. He speaks to our purpose, and our purpose is not how we feel. We need to understand that when we serve God and when we follow the Lord Jesus Christ, we're not just following our feelings, but we're following our purpose. What a difference. And if you don't know the difference between your purpose and your feelings, my suggestion is you should really study that and figure that out. There's a big difference between how you feel and what your purpose is. Keep that in mind, because your feelings will come and go, but your purpose remains the same. God has given everyone a purpose, 
regardless of our feelings. And we need to focus our minds on that and go in that direction. Lord, help us today to focus on our purposes. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it's time now to carry on with our Bible study, and I know our reading is Numbers 32 and 33, but I want to turn back to Numbers 22 today because some people get really confused about what's going on in this chapter, especially in regard to God's anger towards Balaam. Now, since it's been a few days since we read this chapter, let me just refresh your memory as to the situation. In this chapter, Israel has set up camp in the plains of Moab. And the king of the Moabites, Balak, sees this and he's filled with dread because the Israelites had just defeated their Amorite neighbors. So Balak decides to summon Balaam, a prophet whose blessings and curses on people seemed to be effective. Now, not surprisingly, God doesn't give Balaam permission to go to Balak and curse Israel. But King Balak is persistent and sends a second group of messengers to Balaam. As he did with the first group of messengers, Balaam tells the men to stay the night so he can consult with God once more. But this time, God's answer is different. He says to Balaam, If the men come to call you, rise and go with them, but only the word which I speak to you, that you shall do. Then the Bible says, So Balaam rose in the morning, saddled his donkey, and went with the princes of Moab. And then God's anger was aroused because he went, and the angel of the Lord took his stand in the way as an adversary against him. Now, this last part has confused some people because it seems that God grants Balaam permission to go to Balak, but then gets angry with him for going. So how do we resolve this apparent issue? Check it out. When prophet for hire Balaam is sought out by Balak, king of the Moabites, to come and curse Israel, God strictly forbids Balaam, saying, you shall not go with them, you shall not curse the people, for they are blessed. But Balak, desperate and refusing to give up, sends for him again. Balaam's response to the king's men is the same. You also stay here tonight, that I may know what more the Lord will say to me. But this time, the Lord's response is different. If the men come to call you, he says, rise and go with them. But only the word which I speak to you, that you shall do. With permission granted, the Bible says, So Balaam rose in the morning, saddled his donkey, and went with them. Then God's anger was aroused because he went. The big question that's often raised here is if God gave Balaam permission to go to Balak, then why was he angry with him for going? Actually, the solution is in the text itself. In fact, it hinges on the tiny two-letter word if in verse 20. It's very easy to read through God's instructions and miss the condition that he placed upon Balaam. Nevertheless, God's stipulation is, if the men come to call you, rise and go with them. And in this, Balaam failed, because he did not wait to see if the men would return to him, but rather eagerly sought them out. Confusion can arise here if it is assumed that the men were staying in Balaam's own tent, because it virtually voids God's condition in verse 20, since their calling on him in the morning would be unavoidable. 
But in reality, with such a large entourage, there just wouldn't have been enough room for them in Balaam's tent. Thus, they likely stayed in a large camp with many tents. So Balaam knowingly disregarded God's explicit instruction. Even so, God's anger at Balaam was not only that he disobeyed, but also because of why he disobeyed. As Walter C. Kaiser Jr. points out, with King Balak's first inquiry, Balaam rightly replies that the Lord refused him permission to go with them to curse Israel. What Balaam had artfully neglected to mention was God's reason for refusing, because Israel is blessed. Mentioning this just might have ended the Moabites' attempts to curse a people God blessed. But Balaam apparently was playing both sides of the street on this one. He deliberately left the door open, perhaps hoping that he could somehow benefit from such a highly visible ministry. Both 2 Peter 2.15 and Jude 11 confirm that Balaam was a man who ran greedily for profit and loved the wages of unrighteousness. And this sinful lifestyle is what stirred up the holy and righteous and justified anger of God. So God gave Balaam a condition which he failed to meet. And that condition was, if the men come to call you, rise and go with them. The problem is that in some versions of the Bible, this condition of God gets lost in translation because the word if has been changed to a different word. And this is where the confusion comes. But God, it seems, does place a condition on Balaam here, and Balaam disobeys that condition. Balaam was more eager to make a prophet than to serve God. And for this disobedience and love for unrighteous prophet, God's anger was rightfully aroused. Yeah, you know, that that's really interesting because oftentimes we can judge what the Bible says based on our English language. And we need to study a little bit further and a little bit deeper to understand that the Bible was not written in English. That's right. It was written yeah. in Hebrew and it was written in Greek. And then, of course, parts of it are in Aramaic, you know, in Daniel and so on. But we need to keep that in mind. That's very, very interesting. Okay, Corey. All right. So I wanted to take some time to continue looking at the pagan prophet and diviner Balaam. So uh, on yesterday's episode, we investigated the meaning of his story as recorded in Numbers 22 to 24 and Numbers 31. How it seems as though God was giving Balaam a chance to change, a chance not to curse himself by cursing Israel. God created a scenario that would have spoken directly to Balaam's way of life, giving him a real opportunity to hear and change. Ultimately, though, Balaam refuses to change, and he later dies in a time of war by an Israelite sword. His story in the Bible carries powerful themes of God's mercy toward mankind outside of Israel, his provision of opportunities to change. God's communicative power, his desire and will to communicate to mankind, and how God fulfills his promises. In this case, his blessing of people who bless Israel and his cursing of those who curse them. Balaam's name pops up throughout the Bible as a cautionary tale, as an example of someone who loved prophet, who loved their way of life more than they loved God. Beyond being famous in the Bible and among students of the Bible, Archaeological work has also revealed that Balaam was famous outside of Israel. This makes sense if he was a real person, because the Bible introduces him as someone who must have been a famously successful diviner and prophet, as Balak, the king of Moab, sends for Balaam, who was not a Moabite at all. Remember that this may have been because Balak wasn't thrilled with the results of his own diviners as they tried to find out what could be done about Israel, so he wanted some outside help. Now, back to the archaeological discovery. 
In 1967, at the site of Deir Ala, which I'm probably not pronouncing right, many plaster fragments with red and black ink writing on them were discovered. Now, when they were put back together, translated and published, which took a decade, by the way, some pretty amazing things came to light. The words were recording prophecies and stories of Balaam, the son of Beor, who seems to be the same man mentioned in Numbers 22 to 24. So the inscriptions call him a seer of the gods, and he's recorded receiving dreams or divine messages at night, which is also a feature of Balaam in the biblical narrative. Now, the Deir Allah inscriptions also associate Balaam with two specific pagan gods. These fragments do not date to the time of Moses and Israel in the wilderness. They date to much later, about 840 to 760 BC, which would be during the time period of the kings of Israel, so much after Moses. The inscriptions are not Israelite though, and perhaps they were originally inside a temple to those gods whom Balaam is presented as loyal to. Researchers are confident that the inscriptions were originally attached to a standing stone or to the inside walls of a building because they were discovered in the remains of a destroyed building. And due to their religious nature, a temple would be a nice fit. Deir Allah itself is believed by some to be biblical Succoth or biblical Peniel, where Jacob wrestled with God. Now, what the existence of these inscriptions tell us is that outside of the Bible, there was a long-standing tradition of a diviner named Balaam, son of Beor, that stories of him, likely oral traditions, were very well known and then later were preserved in writing. Maybe they were used to teach new generations of pagan seers, or maybe they were used to encourage others in their loyalty towards Balaam's patron gods. Whatever the original reason for the existence, these inscriptions not only provide extra biblical evidence for the existence of Balaam, they give us a glimpse into how others thought about his work and world. That, that's really interesting. Um, and as we think this through, it gives us something to consider when we read through this. And even mm -hmm. though Balaam's just three chapters here and it's mentioned later when he was killed, uh, this is absolutely amazing. Thank you, Corey. Yeah, no problem. Very good. Janice? I remember in grade three, Corey, you gave a speech that you actually <laughs> won five. for the school. Grade five. Was it it grade was five. five? Oh, there's grade five. Yes. That, you, that you gave a speech on Balaam <laughs> and the Talking Donkey. So okay. there, it continues on. Continues. It continues on. All right. Um, I titled this segment of mine, Growing in God. I don't have too much to say except that we see that uh, two, and a, uh, two tribes and a half tribe of Manasseh decided to settle on the east side of the Jordan. And rather than crossing over with their brothers. Now, you know, through Rod's teaching and through the reading of the word yourself, we know um, that they were going to go ahead and, and help their brothers fight and take the land. But what I thought of was that we need to grow in God where he has planted us. Wherever we are as followers of Christ in this world, we need to grow in God and be effective in the community where God has us. And you know what? It's important for us to remember there are times in our life where God has us right now that it's not comfortable. It may be a very difficult time for you right now, but don't be discouraged. Don't turn away from God, but, but in fact, and especially in those times, Seek after God even more. Spend more time in the Word and with God and, and following and seeking after Him. 
Don't become discouraged. And there may be some of you that are in a place right now that you feel a calling or a drawing away to somewhere else in your life. Maybe it's it's a, a new place in the world where you're going to be. Maybe it's a new vocation. Maybe it's something that God has just called you to a different place. It's in these times that we always need to follow and seek after the Lord God. And I'm speaking to believers, those people that that follow God with their lives. We have dedicated what we do and who we are to Him. It's important for us to grow and develop where God has us. And uh, the writer of Hebrews Chapter 13, verse 5 says this, let your conduct, okay, and so this is for believers, let your conduct be without covetousness, be content with such things as you have. That's a very odd thing to say, especially in our world today, isn't it? Let me read it again. Let your conduct be without covetousness, be content with such things as you have. For he himself, meaning God, has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, for those people who have truly committed their lives, given their lives over to God, say, God, please forgive me. Forgive me of my sins. I believe that you came, that you died on the cross, and that you rose again to give me eternal life. Come and live in my heart. Help me to follow you every day. For those people, we need this. Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 6. We need to incorporate this into our everyday lives. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Goes on to say in verse seven, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. This is a God that we acknowledge that he is creator, that we belong to him, that he knows our future. Why wouldn't we go to him? Why wouldn't we learn to trust and depend upon him? His word is true. His word is faithful. We need to get involved in his word, spend time in prayer, and get with God. We need to grow where we are, grow in our relationship with him, and grow and flourish as lights in this world, the salt in this world where he has placed us, ambassadors for Christ. Are we doing a good job? I want to invite you to go to YouTube and you can look for Pastor Rod Hembry. And there is my page. And I have a brand new program called Beyond the Call. And it talks about testimonies, how Jesus Christ has changed people. And that's a new program. And I encourage you to take a look at it because God will speak to you through that. Today, let's pray and say, Lord, help me to assess my ideas through your word. 
and not through my feelings in Jesus name.